Good morning. It's good to be in church, isn't it? And it's really good to be able to share some thoughts from, uh, from the Bible with you this morning. If you've been with us over recent weeks through January, you'll know that we're working through uh, a series focused on the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, over this uh, overarching theme of how we start well. What can we learn from the very beginning of the Bible as we're in the very beginning of the year to help us start well in 2023? And we're going to carry on that theme today, and we're going to look within that theme specifically at the idea of being connected to God, connection between us and God. And uh, it's worth noting that we're not working through Genesis in a chronological order, just in case it's been confusing. So Marcus started in week one with Noah. Dave then took us back to the very beginning with creation in week two. Carol last week spoke about Cain and Abel, um, and today we're going to focus on Adam and Eve and the fall, which uh, chronologically is between Dave and Carol's sermon, for those that are interested. Um, And Cain and Abel, who Carol looked at last week, were the children of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first human beings that we read about in the Bible, the first two humans created by God. We read in Genesis that God created Adam from the dust and he created Eve from Adam. And we find them in in perfect paradise in Genesis. We find them in this environment that God has created for them, which is like perfect equilibrium for their existence. But as many of us will know, whether you're a regular attendee in church or not, things went wrong. Adam and Eve made mistakes. They messed it up and they ruined that paradise that had been created for them. And I don't know about you, but my experience of paradise is that anything we, we can vaguely associate as paradise generally does get ruined. So when, uh, when Mariam and I, my wife, when we first went on holiday together, we went on a holiday to Corfu, lovely hotel, you know, lovely pool, very peaceful resort. And uh, one lunchtime, we went down to have lunch by the pool bar and we did what I think is general like universal etiquette in a swimming pool on holiday, which is to leave your towels on your bed and go for lunch and just assume that when you come back, they might still be there. Um, but we came back and uh, I can only describe this family that had invaded our space as a Brits Abroad family from Manchester, um, who had not only stolen our sunbeds, but they'd actually thrown our towels in a nearby tree to cover up the evidence. So that wasn't great. Um, Then a few years later, after we got married, we went on honeymoon, and I had one request for our honeymoon. I didn't care where we went. Uh, I didn't care how far away it was. All I wanted was a swim-up bar. Okay, that was the only criteria. I didn't care if it was in Butlins. If there was a swim-up bar, I was up for it and I was going to go. So we went to this lovely resort in Thailand and uh, it did have a swim-up bar. So I intended to spend most of my time there. Um, But that was ruined as well because this teenage boy who was obnoxiously lying in what I can only describe as an oversized flamingo lilo, um, parked himself at the swim-up bar every day from the moment it opened to the moment it closed, ordering pina coladas that he definitely wasn't old enough to drink. So that got ruined as well. Then we, we decided to go on the holiday of a lifetime uh, just before we started trying for a family and we booked our dream holiday to the Maldives and COVID then came and ruined that for us. So that didn't happen. So instead we went to Mallorca uh, and we thought this time we'll go to an adult only resort because, you know, we had that experience with the teenage boy and the flamingo and we don't want to we'll kind of experience that again. So we went to an adult only resort this time and uh, I thought we'd be safe I thought it'd be fine. And we had a couple of hours by the pool the first morning, which was very relaxing. But then this, these two German guys turned up. And I can only assume what had happened was one of them was intending to bring his girlfriend and then got dumped just before the trip because he brought his mate along. And when I say they came down to the pool every morning with a boom box, 
I'm not exaggerating. Like this wasn't a little speaker. This was a boombox, this kind of size. And they played German trance music at top volume all day long whilst periodically bombing into the pool. So we don't go on holiday anymore. Um, my paradise always gets ruined and I hold Adam and Eve entirely responsible for that. Which is possibly a bit unfair because what happens in Genesis 3, which we're going to read from in a second, is that we read about Adam and Eve making a mistake. They decide to go in an opposite direction to that which God calls them to and there are consequences that they then have to deal with and we, we live through that regularly. So if you've got Bibles, turn to Genesis 3. The text should come up on the screen as well. We're going to read from verses 1 to 13 which says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So I think there are, there are three lessons that we're going we're gonna to focus on this morning from this text around this idea of connection. Um, and for me, I think that for Christians or for anyone who's seeking relationship with God, one of the biggest frustrations can be a sense of disconnection. When you feel like you're not on the same wavelength with God, you feel like you're not hearing from him clearly, you feel like your relationship with him isn't quite synced and is disconnected. I think that is one of the biggest frustrations when we are in relationship or seeking to be in relationship with God. But the reality is when we feel like that, almost always we are the cause of that disconnection. And I think we see some of the examples of how this happens in this text with Adam and Eve. And so we're just going to pull out three things, three quick lessons with the time I've got left this morning. And the first is that as like unusual as it sounds, understanding is not always helpful. Understanding is not always helpful. So part of Eve's deceit came from the fact that the serpent made this deceitful promise to her that her eyes would be opened. There was something in Eve that was thirsting for understanding that she did not have. God, knowing what was best for them, had created this space He created a perfect environment where he knew what was best for them. He gave them access to the knowledge that was helpful, and he restricted things that weren't helpful for them in that moment. But something in Eve, through this conversation, is desiring to know more than what she understands. And, you know, there there are some incredible scientific minds in the world who will never, ever come to faith in Jesus because they can't get the answers to every single thing that they want to know. 
And because that thirst for understanding at that level is there and can't be satisfied, they will never come to faith in Jesus. And, and as we read through the Bible, we recognize that we're called to faith. And when you're called to faith, it means you will not have all of the answers. There's a space between your understanding and the bigger picture. And it's a space where you have to trust God. And that's where faith happens. And Eve falls here because part of her is desiring to be like God. She's desiring that overarching, full understanding that she doesn't have. And what's ironic here is that the serpent, who is Satan, um, actually has a similar backstory to this. So we read in Revelation 12 about Satan, who's referred to as the serpent and the dragon in that particular passage. And we read about how he was once a high-ranking angel in the armies of God, but he thirsted for the power that God had, and he tried to overthrow him and rose up a group of rebel angels that tried to, to throw God out of the throne. And in Isaiah 14, we read this. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You once, you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend to the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead and the depths of the pit. And so what we see in this conversation between the serpent and Eve is the same deceitful, poisonous narrative that was once used to his own detriment and to the detriment of those he influenced the first time round. And what we have to recognize, that might seem extreme, but what we have to recognize is that when our faith is inhibited by a lack of understanding, when the reason that we don't connect with God or the reason we don't want to know God is because we can't fully understand everything and get the answer to every question, we have something of a God complex developing there. And we see that in Eve. That was the big temptation was to know what God knows. And we can't. And so as we enter 2023, as we're at the beginning of this year, perhaps for some of us, some of the heartache that we're carrying from last year or even further back might be through a lack of understanding. We might be in a place in our life where we feel disconnected to God because we don't understand why something happened to us or why God allowed a certain thing to happen. And perhaps the deceiver has convinced us that God doesn't love us because that thing happened or he wasn't with us or he didn't communicate with us clearly enough and that's why we ended up in that situation. And perhaps if that's where we are, then the first lesson for us this year is that we need less time focusing on the things we don't understand and more time praying for the faith to operate in that space between our understanding and the bigger picture. Full understanding is not always helpful. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two sounds pretty obvious, but I think it's important. And it's that there is risk in ignoring God's instructions. We take on risk when we ignore the instructions of God. And Eve makes a very intentional decision, as does Adam afterwards, to go against the will of God. And we get the benefit of seeing the narrative that almost goes on in Eve's mind through this conversation. Because when the serpent first asks her, she says, yes, God said we can eat from any tree, but not that tree. She states it correctly to start with, but then the conversation goes on. And we're told that she sees the fruit is good eating, is pleasing to the eye, and is also desirable for gaining wisdom. And that's why she eats. And, and to simplify that process massively, Eve recognizes something is not of the will of God, but she makes a decision anyway to press into that because it looks attractive. And that was a risky move that, that did not pay off for Eve and did not pay off for Adam. They were cast from that paradise that they were living in, and they were condemned to a life of toil as a result. The whole dynamic of their life changed because they took a risk that didn't pay off. 
by ignoring the instruction of God. And what we have to recognize is that when we do that, when we go, I know you're calling me to this particular thing, but I'm going to do something else, we take on risk. We have to recognize that in our lives. And perhaps you know right now in your life there are areas where that's happening. You know, perhaps you're with someone, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and they, they don't believe in what you believe in. They're not centered around the thing that you're centered in. They think it's a waste of time that you go to church and that you pray and that you worship and that you put these things at the center of your life. Maybe they're totally anti that and you're in a constant battle because of that, but you stay with them because you know that they're attractive to you. And if we're in that place, you have to recognize there's risk associated with that. You're taking risk into your life. When God calls you to go and serve in a place or take on a job or live in an area and you go, I'm going to ignore that and I'm actually going to do something else because it looks attractive. We have to recognize there's risk associated with that because we're choosing to go against the will of God. Because what happens when we decide to go against something, we actually create separation in that place. So if I decide I don't want to be associated with a person, I create space between myself and that person. I distance myself. I drive something between us. If I decide I don't want to associate with a political view, I distance myself from that thing. I don't talk about those things. I create space between myself and that thing. And whether we recognize it or not, when we choose to turn away from what the instruction of God tells us to do in his word, then we are separating ourselves from him. We're creating space there. And that is a big contributor as well to feeling disconnected to him, even if we haven't recognized that that process has happened. So that's the second thing. There's risk involved when we ignore God's instructions. And the final thing that I want to call out this morning is that there's huge importance in accountability. Accountability is key when it comes to connection with God. So when we read in verse 8 that God is walking through the garden, he's calling out. He calls out to Adam and he calls out to Eve. And he asks them three questions. He says, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? And have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And if you were here last week, you might recognize a bit of a pattern there from the the story with Cain and Abel. Because after Cain kills Abel, the first question God says is, where is your brother Abel? And in all of those situations, God knows the answer to all of the questions, which begs the question, why does he even ask the question? And I believe he asked the question in all of those situations because he's giving those individuals an opportunity to own the mistake to confess what they've done wrong, to take accountability for that thing that has happened. But there's obviously a a family trait here of deflection. Cain says, he comes this sarky comment of, I'm not my brother's minder, you know. Eve blames the serpent. Adam blames not just Eve, but actually kind of blames God as well, because he says, the woman that you put here gave me the fruit. (laughs) So it's not just her fault, it's your fault, because you put her here. There's a big issue with accountability here. I mentioned in a sermon a few months ago that there's a big issue with accountability in my house as well. And we, uh, we see this kind of stuff pretty regularly. So my, um, my wife actually said to me the other day, she said, you never make my side of the bed. You only make your own side of the bed. And I'm sure you can appreciate she's a liar. Um, <laughs> but, but instead of just going, you know what, darling, sorry, that's my bad. I'll make sure I do better in that area and I'll own that mistake. I instead chose to just point out that the bins don't walk themselves out on a Monday night for the bin men. And you know, the car doesn't just fill itself up with diesel, despite how it might appear. And so I was looking straight away to deflect and to make, make the problem a shared problem instead of just owning it. 
Um, and we're working on that as a, as a couple, you'll be pleased to know. Um, <clears throat> but accountability is really, really important. And there are two big issues if we're not accountable around stuff. And for me, the first one is, is around the regular recognition that we are imperfect and God is perfect. And if we don't regularly take accountability for the things we've done wrong, then we're not consciously reminding ourselves regularly the price that Jesus paid on the cross. You know, the, with Adam and Eve in the garden, what happened when they sinned, and sin is the biblical word for when we do stuff wrong, what happened when they sinned that first time was they changed the status of their relationship with God because this thing that was perfect was now not perfect anymore. The equation had been broken. And we learn from the Bible that Jesus died on the cross and took on all of that wrongdoing that was inherent within us and is still inherent within us today. And he died with it in a way that meant we could have relationship with God, even as imperfect humans, we could relate and connect to a perfect God. And it's important for us to remember that regularly, that price that was paid, that incredible gift that came when Jesus died on the cross. And if we don't take accountability for the things that we've done wrong, we don't regularly cast our mind to that place. We instead convince ourselves that we are somehow perfect and everything else in the world is broken. God included. But the second thing that's an issue if we don't take accountability for stuff is if we aren't taking accountability, then by default, we have to be blaming somebody else. Because as human beings, we're not very good at going, it's no one's fault. Even if we say that to someone in a conversation, look, you know, it was no one's fault. We're thinking it was your fault. You know, we always think someone has to be to blame for something that's happened. And so if we're not taking accountability when we have made mistakes and we have fallen short, then sometimes even subconsciously we're blaming God for that thing. We're holding resentment in our heart because that thing happened that we don't believe was our problem, so therefore it has to be someone else. And often in our heart that becomes it was God's problem. And then we can be building this wall in our heart that we don't even realize we've been the architects of that causes, again, a blockage and a disconnect between where we are and where God is. And it feeds in to that sense of being disconnected. So as I try and bring this to some form of conclusion this morning, I think it's, it's really important to remind ourselves that the truth is God desperately desires connection with us. And we see that in the garden. We see that he created Adam and Eve, not as the first generation of Love Island, just to watch what they were doing and to observe from afar, but he created them to have relationship with them. He walked through the garden, as we read here. He walked through. He was looking for them. He calls out to them. He wants to spend time with them. He wants to be in relationship with them. And it's the same with us. So he comes from that place where he wants to be connected. And if we're sat here today knowing we are not in a place where we feel connected to God, we're not in a place where we feel close to him, then the first thing we have to recognize is that we need to look inwards to start to fix that problem instead of putting the blame at his door. And there are some really important lessons in this passage that help us and can help us today to just start to shift that balance back to a place where we do feel connected to God. Understanding is not always the answer. And maybe you've been waiting forever for understanding around that situation that has happened in your life that you just don't get. And maybe at the start of this year, it's the time where you've just got to say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But Lord God, I'm going to trust you with that space in between my understanding and the big picture. <clears throat> There's risk in ignoring God's instruction. And maybe today we need to recognize there might be areas of our lives where we've been ignoring what he's been calling us to. And we've been going in a different way and we need to change something. And accountability is critical. <clears throat> we have fallen, we've all fallen, and we will all fall again this year. We will all fall again this week, almost definitely. 
But let's own our mistakes in 2023. Let's take accountability. Let's regularly say to God, we own that mistake. We're sorry for it. And we thank you for that price that was paid on the cross because that protects us from that resentment creeping in that we might not even realize is there. And if you attend here regularly, then you'll know that at the end of a service, during the last song and after the service, there's always an opportunity for, for conversation or for prayer with our, our prayer team. Marcus and I have sat down here. There'll be members of the prayer team available as well. And if, if something I've said there has struck a chord with you and you just want to talk to someone about it, then there's an opportunity to do that. If you've come with somebody that you trust and, uh, and you feel more comfortable with, you can ask them as well. You can have that conversation with them. But I really sense this morning that maybe for some of us, this is just something we need to reflect on over the course of the next few days. Where are we in our relationship with God? Do we feel connected to him right now? Maybe you're seeking relationship with God for the first time and you're just starting to feel that, that prompting that something's happening. And maybe we just need to reflect on those three lessons as we go into this week. What are the things that maybe we need to tweak in our life to help us feel more connected to God? Do we need to go and pray this week for God's help to leave that misunderstanding that we can't get our head around in the past? Do we need to go home and pray about the thing we actually need to stop doing in our life to create that clearer channel with God, to remove some of that stuff that we're putting between us and him? Or do we need to just go and say to God, we're going to own that thing that happened, that I've been quietly holding against you in my heart for some time. I'm going to own that. I'm going to take accountability for it. And we're going to move forwards together. The only thing I'd encourage you to do this morning is to do something, to make sure you do something practical. If that is where you are and you know that you're in that place where you don't feel as connected as you might want to, do something practical this week. Talk to somebody, pray, reflect on it, and make a decision. Because even those small little tweaks can have a big impact on our life. One small little change can totally revolutionize the way that you are interacting with God, the way you see him, and the way you connect with him. So as we start the year, don't carry on feeling disconnected. Do something practical and make that change. Amen.